What you're about to hear is a love story. Probably not what you're expecting from a career change podcast, but when you start listening to this interview, you'll know exactly what I mean. You're about to hear the story of Jim and Natasha. Now, before their big career moves, Jim worked as general counsel to huge companies such as Ryanair and Etihad and Uber. And Natasha was co-founder of Wizz Air and was also their former head of corporate communications and public affairs. The interview is a little bit different because I get to grill Jim and Natasha both at the same time. So it's a bit longer than normal because you're getting two absolutely amazing stories for the price of one. I really love chatting to them both and I really hope that you enjoy it as much as I do. So make yourselves comfortable, strap yourselves in and get ready for takeoff. Welcome to Your Big Career Move, where your host, Yeshim Nicholson, chats to people about their big career moves, uncovers their motivations, their fears, their successes and everything in between. Be inspired by their stories. And if you're thinking of making your own big career move, head over to yescareercoaching.com. If you enjoy this episode, don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Hi, I'm Yeshim Nicholson and welcome back to another episode of Your Big Career Move. Now, if you've watched some of my interviews to date, you'll know that I generally speak to people on a one-to-one basis. So today is going to be slightly different. I'm really grateful that you've taken the time, both of you, to speak to me today. I feel like I should be bowing down to you guys a little bit. Your career is just, you know, it's just incredible. I think you've both achieved some remarkable thing, not least what you what you're doing now, which we're going to delve into. But actually, before we start talking about what you're doing now, can we start with a little snapshot of what each of you were doing before you made your big career change? Jim, would you mind kicking us off? Sure, Yashim, and thank you so much for having us on. Um, so where to start? You know, people perceive you by what you do, what your title is. Um, and so by all accounts, you know, I was at the pinnacle of, of my career. Um, I, I had started out from lowly beginnings. I uh, grew up on a, on a farm in Ireland. Um, so to have gone to law school and to become a lawyer and then eventually work for some of the biggest companies in the world, you know, I, I would never have anticipated it. Um, and so after law school, I went to, uh, to Brussels and was working for a corporate law firm and doing some major transactions. By that stage, I was already married. We had one child um, and already, you know, it was, it was quite uh, apparent that life was going to be very tough, um, but moved on to Ryanair, which was kind of jumping from one frying pan to another. Um, and I was the first lawyer in Ryanair. And I was also the company secretary so it was it was very fast paced. Um, probably most people know of Ryanair and how hard charging things are. I think it was described mm. at one stage as the mini me of Michael O'Leary, which I'm not sure whether that's a compliment or not, but certainly shows you know how you can fit into a role and and really you know run with it. Um, I then moved on to Etihad Airways, was again general counsel of Etihad Airways. Many of the same challenges as with Ryanair, you know, heavily regulated industry, mm. uh, a lot of stress and, and pressure there. Um, by that stage, things were, were already kind of going off the, the rails in terms of my, my own health and, and well-being. Um, and then, uh, you know, you tend to, to try and 
change it up to to solve what your problems are, but it never seems to work. And I, I started with uh, with Uber, uh, and that's really where things kind of uh, went off the rails completely. Um, as general counsel for Uber EMEA, um, and uh, so that was kind of the the, the pinnacle of of the the corporate. legal career, the corporate career. So, but the the interesting thing is that nobody ever kind of knew what was going on in the in the background. Um, so you 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 tend to to portray this this steadfast, um, you know, I'm in charge uh, attitude, but it's, mm-hmm. it's it's always interesting what's going on in the background. Yeah, um, I'm so going to peel back the layers of that <laughs> in a minute. But thank you so much for sharing that. That's awesome. Thank you and. Your lovely wife, Natasha, would you like to give us your uh, yeah, so, well, background? Yes. Uh, thank, thank you for, for having us, Yashim. It's, it's, it's a little pleasure. And um, yeah, just like Jim, I, um, I had a humble beginnings. Um, I grew up in, a, in an international company. Uh, company. <laughs> See, that's... It's <laughs> ingrained. <laughs> uh, family, um, uh, in, mostly in Central and Eastern Europe. Um, and then, you know, my father worked in the airline industry and it was just by accident that when I was looking for an internship after, after college, I bumped into his boss and basically he offered me a, a, an internship. So my involvement in the airline industry was accidental in this uh, sense, but also kind of, you know, you look at it like uh, I stepped into my dad's shoes uh, in a way. And then, you know, one thing after another, I worked for for the national airline uh, of Hungary, which is non-existent anymore. And then as things happened, um, we got a new uh, CEO who then um, got a group of people together and we went on and founded Wiz Air, which is one of the one of Ryanair's competitors. This is how we, yes. Jim and I, we met. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, it meant, you know, be, being a... Um, member of a startup team um, my whole life was with air basically you know I was I was so in love with what that what I was doing success became absolutely addictive and it was just you know we were the right doing the right thing in the right moment it was a window of opportunity an amazing team uh, you know back then and so it just caught me in and I was I, I was identifying myself with who I was at with air so when when I met Jim uh, a few years later, there was just this moment, again, a window of opportunity for me. I was like, right, so what am I going to do with my life? Uh, I'm going to be uh, a corporate uh, executive all of my life, or I want to explore other things like love, for example. And I, I mean, I'm saying it like this, but it wasn't really a question. So when we we got together with Jim, I knew that I needed to make a, a jump. So it meant that I had to leave my corporate career. At that stage, I have been um, not only the co-founder, but the head of corporate communications, public affairs. And I went and established with a Ukraine mm. So I worked a year in Ukraine as the general manager of Wizard Ukraine, which was absolutely amazing. Um, Probably the best year um, of my airline career in terms of, you know, all the excitement that was going on. So I left that. I I don't think I had any other choice. And uh, I believe in the fact when they say that things happen to you and they are meant to be in a way. So Jim kind of our love put me in a very different situation. So I moved to the Middle East where Jim was the general counsel of Etihad. And so that's why my 
career change basically began because I would have never thought of changing career without the physical displacement or what's the right word you know if I was if I if I wouldn't have to to move I don't think I would be looking for something and did you move out to the Middle East with a job no did you have a job to go to or you literally quit your job I mean are you basically saying you quit your job for love I did (laughs) I did it was the case it was was absolutely it was absolutely the case it was just yeah, there was there was no other option in our minds back then. But yeah, I mean, I guess we're going to talk about this. This was probably one of the hardest periods of my life, the, the following two three years, mm. um, to re to find myself basically. Well, I mean, it's such a big change, isn't it? Because not only have you given up this amazing career that, in your words, you know, defined you and became so much part of your identity. So you're leaving that, you're moving to a brand new country, which has very, a very different culture. It's not moving from one yeah. country that's quite similar to, to its neighbor. This is very vastly different cultures mm. where women are, are treated in different ways, I guess, and, and all of that sort of stuff. And you're in a new relationship. I mean, what else did you want to throw at this? yeah no and and, you know what like I have to be very honest when I moved to to the the Middle East to Abu Dhabi um, I lived the life of luxury I mean you know we had a house we had a pool boy we had a gardener Jim bought me a new car so on the surface you know like I was given a a, a dream of life now Mm -hmm. when we change I think from one be it career to career or one life situation to another, I think there is a a time of adjustment and a lot of people don't realize it, how difficult it is, especially if you're thinking, oh, I'm coming to live with the the love of my life, but I left behind um, such an important part of me. And, you know, I used to be called in the middle of the night because, you know, one of our flights was 40 minutes late. Oh my God, you know, like now people don't even bet an eye at this, but back then it was like, oh, this is crisis you know or like I'm of course making making fun of it but but really I was also the face of the company I was somebody you know important Mm -hmm. and and suddenly I'm moving to uh to the Middle East and a known territory for me I'm somebody's somebody so I'm just a sidekick of (laughs) of the man here so that was a difficult one but that I think I, yeah, it was the best uh, best thing that could have happened to me in that situation because everything that unfolded from there, really uh, reflecting back, really justified that change. And I'm I feel so uh, lucky and so grateful mm. for life uh, to Jim that you know he he we that love had that power of of basic because I I don't know what I would be right now. I would definitely not be here, not be doing this and. Maybe, yeah, who knows? There are a number of scenarios in my head, but it, it was absolute the right decision. It was super hard, but mm. it was. Now, I'm so curious because if you're going from a job where you're you're essentially on 24-7 yeah. and you're getting calls in the middle of the night and that's going to start to, I guess, create something in your body, right? Where you're just, exactly your stress levels, whether you're conscious of it or not, are, are just constantly high. Um, to then going to a life where you have people doing nice things for you and and you're living this life of luxury where it sounds like you didn't have to worry about 
too much what happens there what happens in that transition period well I, for me it felt like I was in a black hole you know I was well Jim was away all the time I mean yeah, I, I yeah with with my job it yeah. was it was 24 7 a lot of traveling um and, and you were never home and when you were home I was alone and I was lonely and I was not finding satisfaction in anything a I didn't know how to live my life as a as a wife of leisure mm -hmm. or like you know I just didn't understand this like the coffee mornings the I don't know yoga classes I got into the yoga classes later on but not the coffee mornings not the shopping afternoons nothing really appealed to me because they were not of the same significance as my previous mm -hmm. career so we went through very very rough times as a couple and as a person like I felt I don't know myself anymore mm -hmm. I don't know uh, who I am I don't know what to do so it started a period of really deep self-reflection and uh, rediscovery of myself so as things are in this situation you meet people who you need to meet in this situation who help you find the right skills like tools like I did some I learned some energy healing I discovered friendships that were on a different level and I have some people who really helped me and and I think also I really believe in in yeah as I said you know things happen because they're meant to be like our relationship with with Jim is not you know it's not at all uh, nice and rosy Roses. and yeah but I think we have such a deep understanding of of what the other needs but it didn't happen from day one you know we had to work through and I'm very grateful that we did work through so Jim helped me although he was stressed divorced by that time with uh, with four kids so there was the family stress the, mm. the work stress and I was with my you know searching of who I am and what I'm supposed to do so besides that kind of emotional change that I was going through I was of course looking for something to do I was looking for job and oh my god Yashim if if the, the interviews that I went through and people just don't understand who you are if you don't have a very classic yeah. as you may if you don't have like you know I started here and I got here and they can if they cannot draw the line mm -hmm. they just don't know what to do with you yeah. so, and you don't fit in it into a particular box no mm -hmm. no so and and I tried I did try yes. oh my god I did try because I really wanted I felt like I was not contributing to the society to our relationship so but I went back to school I studied positive leadership and strategy in Madrid which was amazing I learned a lot about myself I started yoga I started uh, yeah this you know the old, old passes that basically led to to where where I am uh, today and led to the, the other difficulty it was just to, to jump back on this is that you know, you come from like what what is the next move for somebody who's a co-founder of a super successful airline? Yeah. And I was there's like, no obvious, okay. Yeah, Natasha, like, the what, next step is this. Next step, what a PR manager in, in an airline, or like a okay, even if a like what do you do from there? So and I I I needed to let go of this uh I don't know of, of what it was, but let go of something, maybe of, of Wizair in a way, you know, that I was I was such and such and as a Wizair person and now I'm I'm in this hole. But I think that was such an important learning. And I think what we're doing together finally with Jim now, it's I, I wouldn't even put it at the same level. It's much more, you know, yeah. it's that next move, it's that next 
that I think a lot of us are dreaming of when you when you do something not only meaningful for you but helping others generally it's such a it's a whole story it's the complete story mm-hmm. for me it's a high so before we go there you know there's always two sides to a story so I'm dying to hear <laughs> what your side is Jim what's going on for you while you've got this wonderful beautiful lady that comes to move to be with you on the other side of the world what's going on for you yeah, I mean, as Natasha said, it was very difficult because, you know, we have this amazing uh, love um, and it was, yeah, it was tough um, with my situation with my previous wife and, and my four kids. But I think, uh, ironically, I had gotten to such a bad point in terms of my own mental and physical well-being that Natasha was kind of my... Um, forcing my kind of 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 decision to to make a change and it and it was incredibly messy and a lot of guilt and um you know a stress added stress uh, from from how things happened but i think you know these are the the kinds of of events in your life that lead to that change that needs to happen yeah either either you you decide to take uh to get in charge of life with a life will intervene exactly. and um you know so so that was where i was at kind of between the the transition from from Ryanair to etihad and again it was it was this looked like a logical uh, move from a career point of view sure. it was you know i was this successful lawyer general counsel, company secretary of Ryanair, well-known in the industry, moving to a, a different segment of the industry. I mean, Etihad Airways is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of luxury, no denigration to Ryanair, but, you know, it looked like, wow, this is this is an interesting move. It looks like a step up, uh, Middle Eastern carrier, but it masked the fact that my, my life was a mess. You know, I, my relationship with my wife and kids was, was in tatters. Um, my kids used to say when we'd be on holidays, you know, dad, you're, you're always on the telephone. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how, how um, sad is that? You know, that that's, that's your, that's your kid's impression of you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, thinking, okay, I'm going to make a change and, you know, a, a change in companies, a change in level, et cetera, should help. It doesn't. Until you change the problem, you're going to carry it with you to the next level. And so I think that's where, you know, it was such a uh, an explosion in my life. Um, but ironically, uh, learning to pick up the pieces and, and put them into a different way, that's really what what has led us to to where we are now. And I think also to, to add to that, I think we, we spend a lot of time uh, talking about things that you know for you after you left your previous relationship there was a different kind of conversations and and that that also that triggered a lot of things but also helped you to yes. to to see things from different perspective and same uh, same things for me you know it was it was new the relationship was new and I think the intensity of the relationship really helped us to go really deep but then you know come come to the level where we could take the next step from already yeah, and I think despite how how kind of stressed and, and preoccupied I was, I think I was always trying to be there for Natasha and be a support, but not doing things for her. Yeah. It was like, look, I can't I can't solve this problem yeah. for you. I can be here for you, but I can't solve it mm. for you. And so I think that was a difficult yeah. it was a difficult message for you. Yeah. 
and and you struggled a lot in those years but but i think that has has led you to a, to a situation where it's like wow i you know i actually can do this for myself i can make these changes and not have somebody telling me this is where you need to go this is what you need to do um, i think that's that's that was one of my biggest learning is that in the corporate world you know you had a structure you had a system you had processes and usually you know i had a very driven ceo who was and still probably is a control freak in a lot of ways you at a certain level you you get to do your things but you're still in that in that box you know you are in a corporate and here jim i think he taught me during these times is that I think you even said something along the line that you told me that I have to notice that I have my own wings and then I just need to fly and you'll be there with me, but you won't be doing, you won't be telling me if it's right or wrong or, and I think from career change perspective, you know, how we do things now, I feel much more liberated, you know, like mm-hmm. I feel, I feel like I have, I have my things, you have your things and we're doing it together. You're not my boss. I'm not your boss. And I think when you become an entrepreneur, I think that's, a shift from a corporate kind of way of thinking things to being an entrepreneur it's a very different mindset you know definitely definitely that's one of my questions for you that I'm keeping up my sleeve that I want to go back to at some point in in, during our conversation just to go back to you Jim to this scenario where you're in the Middle East Natasha's just moved out what was it that finally, because uh, did you quit your job? You didn't quit your job while you were in the Middle East. You still had another career move up your sleeve, didn't you? Before yeah, so so I was at uh, Etihad for, for seven years. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was uh, it was enough at that stage. And we, we had talked about moving back to Europe. I was commuting every month back to see my boys in Ireland um, and even on a luxury airline you don't get much sleep and I was flying overnight to get there and overnight on the way back so physically and mentally I was, years I was completely done. destroyed yeah. and so the, when the Uber opportunity came along it was a, a desperate jump um, in the end and and I kind of had a sense that it wasn't the right move um, but again you look for these things you, you're not thinking rationally uh, when when you're in that situation and you know I have no regrets I think that the time that I spent there really kind of uh, clearly demonstrated that the corporate world was not (laughs) the place for me Mm -hmm. I had been there done that bought several t-shirts and so yeah so that was the transition to to Uber Um, and I think by that stage my body had been keeping such a score over the years, even since law school days, working during law school, and then these these highly stressful jobs, that, you know, it was time to say stop. And, and if I wasn't going to stop, then my body was going to stop. And, Which it did. And it did. Uh, I did. I had, by all accounts, a breakdown um, while I was with, with Uber. And that kind of forces your hand. And at this stage, our son, our first son, my fifth son, Daniel, was born. And I just thought to myself, I want to be there for my boys. I want to be there for my grandkids. And I want to be there for Natasha. And at this stage, there was a question mark how long in terms of my health that was going to be the case. I was having some heart problems. And that was really what what forced the situation. I had turned 50. And I said to myself, I actually want to live another 50 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to do that uh, the way I'm doing things now. And that was really the, the kind of trigger 
for the reunion. That was my my yeah. trigger for for finally starting to deal with uh, with my health. This sounds like possibly a stupid question, um, but I'm curious to know because I think a lot of people do experience health issues when they're in intensely stressful situations for prolonged periods of time. I think we're all okay dealing with them, you know, uh, short bursts of stress. But I think when it's that continuous stress that we experience, we do start to have the heart palpitations and the this and the that, you know, we, we do, our body starts to tell us. At what point did you realize that the physical ailments that you were experiencing were related to stress that was being caused through work? Um, I, I mean, I think I, I always had the suspicion that that was the case. Um, we certainly hadn't gone delved deep into, into the science at that stage. My problem was that I was constantly going to doctors with this these low-level kind of ailments, but mostly lack of energy. I always felt like I was living a half-life, like I was struggling through the day and just, you know, trying to, to keep on top of things. And I was going to doctors and coming out with a clean bill of health. You know, maybe your cholesterol is a little bit high, might want to lose a few pounds, but everything is fine. And so it's like, well, no, it's it's not fine. Like, I just don't feel like I'm living up to my potential from a health point of view. So it's, I think there's, you know, that was the frustration for me is that I'm trying to do something. And, you know, you run for a while, maybe that'll help. You go on a diet, you eliminate all these foods. We would go on spa vacations. It's these little bits and pieces trying to to manage the, the stress and, and your health. Nothing seems to work. I mean, I, I literally broke down in a couple of meetings with with my boss from the U.S. And it scared the hell out of me that, that you know, I, I literally couldn't function. I couldn't speak in some high level meetings. And, and yeah, that's a big it's a big wake up call. Yeah, I think that's when you came home and you said, right, this is this was so scary that you couldn't talk. Um, yeah, I, re- I remember that, that Jim was like so shocked at what his body was communicating by, you know, being in a meeting, doing things that he would do like a thousand times or millions of times yeah. before, and he couldn't speak. And he was just like in this, that, I mean, for, I think for you, that's what it took. Yeah. Uh, that very shocking experience for others. It's a heart attack or a cancer diagnosis or, you know, like a complete shutdown or, mm. you know, other for you, it was that moment of, oh my God, I cannot speak at yeah. the meeting. Uh, and I think that's when you started to. That was the more. wake up call. That was the wake up call. Yeah. It's not that it's it dark. a clear message. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. need to change. And, you know, we talked very briefly before I hit record about the fact that we're all on a mission to help people realize that they don't have to feel rubbish. They don't have to feel drained of energy. They can feel good. And this is why I'm so excited to talk to you guys, because I think if you can catch people before they get to the point where they do have the heart attack or, you know, God forbid, some other awful thing happens to them. I guess it would just be interesting to know where then what happens. So you had a couple of meetings where you're like this, you know, this is out of control. I can't perform in the way that I used to. So what happens? Did you just went and quit? How does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So pretty much I I quit. I told my boss that, uh, you know, I was having some health issues and like, I didn't make a big deal out of, you know, a lot of people. Yeah. When they get to that stage, they try to sue the company, all this kind of stuff. Like it's your responsibility 
to take care of yourself. And, I, and that was my realization at the time was that this is my responsibility. I need to take care of it for my, my wife and my kids, myself. Um, and so that started a journey for me. And, and I think you were in a similar situation, which really helped that both of us started to try and figure out what we need to do to rediscover our own health. And it's, you know, it can be difficult because there's so much information out there, mm. often conflicting. And so it took us a long time to really figure out what worked for us. And that was kind of at a certain stage, this aha moment that, wow, it, it's actually, it's not that difficult when you realize that there are certain things that as humans, we evolved in a certain way. The problem is that we're so far away from Natural. our natural rhythms yeah. that that's what's causing the vast majority of problems with mental and physical health yeah. yeah and so if you understand that then it becomes a lot easier to start making those changes because it makes perfect sense like the importance of sleep in the corporate world it's seen as an efficiency you need to limit your sleep we we must maximize the time you that spent. we're awake and it's complete insanity because you're we now know through the science if you're not getting sufficient sleep you're massively suboptimal in terms of your performance and it's driving a lot of the issues with stress so once you understand the importance yeah. of it then you say well this is actually a performance enhancer if i'm getting good quality and quantity of sleep okay, okay. and so we've we've really tried to to show the link between health and performance because folks like us 15 years ago yeah. in, in our career where you're starting to hit that wall and you're saying I, I don't know if I can do this for the yeah. next 15 20 years okay. what they're still concerned about is performance mm -hmm. and so if you can link health with that performance it's kind of an yeah. added incentive so but the interesting thing is this so it started off with Jim you know trying to to live another 50 years in, in good health for him. For me, you know, it was, uh, I gave birth, I was always 44. I was massively overweight. I put on like 40 kilos with my IVF process before and in the pregnancy. I was depressed, all the things compounded. And so what we were trying to do is Jim was trying to, to build his next 50 years and I was trying to lose weight and feel my body as my own again after birth, breastfeeding and all this kind of stuff. And so we were kind of, you know, on a parallel tracks. And then suddenly we saw, oh, like what, what he's doing, what she's doing. And, and of course we talked a, little, uh, a lot about it. And then this link for performance, it came like, I think a year or a year and a half into our journey. We're like, hey, we're actually so not- feel better. Right? Not only feeling better. better. Jim, I don't know if you've seen his pictures uh, in the book, but they're absolutely phenomenal. You know, like he went from being, I used to lovingly call him Mr. Bellyman. He's got this nice, nice belly to this, to this very strong and super strong and really well built person that I'm very proud of, you know. Like he was noticing that he's 50, but he looks much better than the majority of 25-year-olds and he's much stronger. And at work, you know, where we were, we are studying a lot and doing stuff, not necessarily, you know, in a corporate context, but I was noticing that my brain is sharper. I don't have brain fog anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm there. much focused. I like catch things on the fly and we're like, wow, isn't this valuable? Can we do something with this to help? And of course, we're talking to friends and people were like, what are you guys doing? You know, what's happening? Like, what's, 
what's this boss how can you how are you functioning at this level you know how do you look so good at that what's this magic pill you're talking what's about magic right? pill? exactly so i was like well actually um you know this is what it is and then we started for fun we started doing little like challenges for our friends right. and family and you know let's try this and then i figured actually there's more uh in that than just you know, helping a small group of, of friends. So this is how we we came to where we are today with uh, with our company, the Wellness Story. And this is, you know, this is what the book is about, really, to to put that out. Yeah, this seems like the perfect opportunity for you to give your book a little plug. <laughs> you have a copy to hand, ready for takeoff. <laughs> and obviously, the reference to the aviation background that you both come from. And actually, yeah. I have to say one thing that I that really made me chuckle is right at the beginning of your book, you talk about the fact that you had this strategy meeting to discuss yes. <laughs> where your careers were going to yeah. go. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah. want to talk so, about that? What, yeah, what so we, happened we, during your strategy yeah, meeting? Yeah, we, we're using everything, you know, because the, like for, for us with Jim, uh, um, we we like to to throw ideas out, you know, we... And especially, I think a lot of your guests would say that, you know, COVID, it, as bad as, as it was, it was a massive accelerator for all, yeah. a lot of a lot of good changes. And, you know, for us, yeah, we stayed at home. I mean, not that I was going anywhere before, but Jim sometimes went to meetings and places. But so we were at home and we were talking more and we had a lot of ideas. But the problem with the ideas is that, you know, unless you write them down or unless you structure them, they're just yeah. out there and they're fun to talk about, we forget about it. So we said, right, uh, let, no, no, no. So, this was before the book. So, so, so as I mentioned to you, I, after Wizard, I went uh, to study, I did um, mm-hmm. a master's degree and, you know, one of the, it's positive leadership and strategy. And one of the amazing tools that I learned there is called appreciative inquiry, which is basically a, a framework of um, a methodology uh, that was developed in the, in the eighties to bring out, uh, to bring solutions to human-centric problems or challenges. So instead of asking all the, why didn't it work? Who was responsible? responsible? You know, let's look at the strengths and weaknesses. It says, right, let's talk about the strengths and let's focus on what what we love to do. Let's focus on what we'd like to be, what we inspire, what our strengths are. And that will take care of the weaknesses. It's not that it's ignoring, you know, but... Let's not, let's let's yeah. let's kind of shine the light on on what we can do, and this is what we did. And I used it in my I, I did um, briefly I did leadership and communications coaching for a few years, and I used this method a lot. And, and we used it at home. We sat down in the kitchen and said, right, what is it that we uh, that we like to do? What is it? What are our talents? What is it that we do best as a couple? Mm-hmm. and where we want to be and and we look at all of that and then we said right in order to do this what are the resources that we need what's the plan and um yeah so it's it's a very it's not that everything that we we learned in the corporate world is now you know cut off a lot of things carry over yeah um and a lot of things we can use i think the biggest kind of challenge is to shift to be able to shift the mentality the problem still that we're trying to overcome is our idea of we can only put out a, a perfect product onto the market and this idea of perfectionism and this idea that you cannot fail because if you fail you know there's a lot at stake that's the corporate mentality because you know working for an airline you cannot you cannot do anything less than perfect because yeah. people's the lives are too high. Yeah. so and here it's like 
fail, be prepared to fail, fail quick, learn from it. It's so easy. It's not, it's, it's, it's a very different mentality. So our new mantra is progress over perfection. And we're trying to, uh, to deal with that. But so we're combining the corporate kind of tools and the entrepreneurial spirit and yeah. mentality to, to kind of make a, yeah. make so it's a, a very conscious effort. Cause that's one thing that I'm really curious about when you do come from a corporate background to then becoming an entrepreneur, like you say, is a massive mind shift. So what are the things that you've had to be very conscious about changing in your daily habits? I mean, do you still get up, shower, exercise, get dressed at your desk by nine until five sort of thing? Or have you adapted your routine? How does that Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, you need to have a have a routine. Um, and I think, again, as Natasha says, we, we have brought a lot of the discipline from mm. the corporate world with us um, in that respect. I think the difficulty is that you're in the corporate world, you're, unless you're at the very top, you're in a certain role. And so it's trying to get out of that mentality that you're responsible for a certain area uh, and you have a very clear objective and moving forward with that with entrepreneurship is you know, it's it's this mass that you have to bring together mm-hmm. and make sense of it. And I think that's been the challenge for us is really getting out of this mentality that, you know, the corporate mentality that everything kind of marches along lockstep with all the other pieces. You are all the other all pieces. All the pieces, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's what's one. But the routine is actually very similar or even more strict, I would say. What we make sure is that we do what we preach and we actually schedule our workouts we schedule our meal times we schedule our sleep we're super good and disciplined in the mm. sleep you know it doesn't mean that we don't stay up after 10 o'clock ever ever but it does mean that 90 percent or even more in our case 95 percent of the times we are we are in bed by 9 30 and we are asleep at 10 mm-hmm. and then when you're working you're yeah. super productive yeah yeah because you have that boost of energy from yeah. having correctly having done your exercising you know, going for yeah. walks, walking, meetings. So again, the message for people is if they think I don't have time for this and you, it's not possible to make more time, but if you're using your time much more efficiently, yeah. then you can afford to prioritize your health and well-being because it's driving that better performance. Mm. Yeah, it's. I think it was Stephen Covey, wasn't it? That talked about sharpening the saw. I don't know if you're familiar with his seven habits Habits of highly effective people. And I mean, that's a book that I read in my early twenties and that's the number one thing that stuck with me. It's like, you know, if I'm having a nap, that's not me being lazy. That's me ensuring that I'm so productive this afternoon. Yes. (laughs) My husband still doesn't really quite get that. He still thinks (laughs) I'm being lazy. (laughs) One day he'll succumb to the power, the power of the nap. Exactly. Power naps. Yeah. And how do you decide who does what within the business? I tell Jim what to do. Excellent. That was the answer I was looking for. (laughs) No, but you know what? Jokes aside, I think we had to figure out this balance i mean i am um you know as a true eastern european woman i like to be in control so for me it was a shift to actually trust jim uh not sorry it's gonna sound very very silly at this stage because he's a super successful corporate lawyer so it's not like i 
I doubted his capabilities, but you know, when it comes to a family business, I was like, at the beginning, wasn't it the case, uh, Jim, that I was like, yeah, I'll do it or don't do it like this, do it like this. And, and, you know, just letting go. And, uh, and again, letting go of the perfectionism. I think that a lot of, especially women in high um, positions in career, they kind of suffering from this. Everything has to be perfect. And unless, you know, it's the way I do it, or it's the way I imagine it, then nothing else is, will do. Mm -hmm. No progress over perfection. And I think we're slowly, and you are the same a little bit in this. I think that the, the thing that allows us to make to actually make progress is this to let let go but i think we have different skill sets like For sure jim is is a lawyer very attentive to details uh i love that even when we paint you know we sometimes we do, we do the painting of the same thing you can immediately tell which painting is jim's and which is mine because jim is you know very a lot of little details yeah. and the leaves and the lamping <laughs> and i have these big brush strokes and you know i like to do this, this i like uh, yours better <laughs> oh that's so nice is that so, why it works because you do come at it from yeah. different angles with different skill so. sets. Yeah. Yeah, and we allow for that. For sure. You know? and I think yeah. the, writing the book was yeah. an excellent example because, you know, it could have led to divorce, uh, you know, because you're, you know, it's <laughs> like writing a book yourself is difficult, but writing with two people on an equal footing is very, very difficult. But I think it works because of those differences and we managed to kind of meld them mm -hmm. together. And at one stage, our book coach said, she couldn't tell who wrote yeah. which wow. chapter. So that was how successful we became at being able to, if I wrote something, Natasha would tear it apart and vice versa. And 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 eventually we we came to to a style that I think, you know, you having read the book is compelling in that you have enough information. And, and I did all the, the footnotes because oh, that's yeah. obviously obviously. Um, I did all the graphics, but, uh, you know. Yeah, like yeah. So stuff. so it, it works. And yeah. so the, the creative side and the kind of more analytic side, yeah. um, I think it works works really well. Is there anything that either of you miss about the corporate world? <laughs> I have one think thing. About it. You go. I think what I miss is I, okay to be very honest I don't I don't think I would ever I was a very good corporate uh, manager I don't think that that would ever be the case anymore but I think sometimes I miss the framework you know that you have other people to uh, to lean on more mm -hmm. uh, and there is a structure underneath you I think being a, an entrepreneur you have to work really hard to create some sort of structure around you. And, you know, we're getting there. I mean, we we are finding the yeah. right people who are not necessarily employed, but we are partnering with. So, but but that kind of massive, like I remember when I was in, in Ukraine and I was running with Ukraine, you know, I never had to worry about the resources or expertise because I knew that there was a, an army of people behind me yeah. who support me in these areas. I think that's one thing I maybe yeah yeah i think that i think that makes sense we're we're sort of at that stage in our journey where you know we're we're very small we're still a startup and so i think it's it's very much the two of us as yeah. as co-founders yeah. and you're starting to involve people from outside and it's again it's kind of letting go and yeah. and being clear this is their responsibility we explain it but you have to kind of let them do their thing and then uh 
I think once we get to the stage where you're building teams together, I think that's when it becomes interesting again, where you have those personal interactions. I think that's the thing that I miss is, mm -hmm. you know, my team, mm -hmm. building a team, uh, despite what's going on in other areas, you know, you are uh, responsible for that team and making sure that they're functioning well. So I think that's something that, um, but I think you can achieve that from the, this kind of coaching aspect where you go into companies and you help people to develop those skills as well. I think the truth is that, that the corporate world, like we grew up in, you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s is not anything that I miss. I think the corporate world is going through a massive shift mm. right now. And uh, and really our kind of vision is to see a much healthier, much happier yeah. corporate environment. And it's not an easy journey. We are seeing some quite positive moves in that direction, aren't we? Yeah. <clears throat> I think we are, we are definitely seeing very progressive companies that are making big steps towards ensuring the welfare of their staff uh, is considered in a, yeah. in a really healthy way yeah um, that's true but there's so much work to be done yet exactly. yes so, yes can you guys remember what your biggest fear was when you quit your jobs i think for me it was letting go of that title you know and having gone to school for so many years it was like how can you give that up and the perception of other people are people going to see this as a failure that you went from this high-powered career mm -hmm. and now what exactly are you doing so I think that so that... can I stop you there for one second because that, <laughs> I, this is very curious because yeah. you're you're saying you're worried about other people yes. thinking yeah. it was a failure rather mm -hmm. than you thinking that this would be a failure yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's both, but it's, we always we always sort of well, at least me, you always kind of think what other people are going to say as well. We're social animals, and so you're kind of you fit into society in a certain way. Mm. And I think that the joy for me is having broken out of that mm -hmm. and and saying, look, this is a passion for me to help other people. I've been through the pain. And I want to help other people avoid that. And it doesn't matter what you call me. It doesn't matter what I was doing before. This, for me, is a calling. Mm -hmm. But it, but I have to say, it was difficult for me. Yeah, because, you know, having grown up in, in Ireland, where there are three main professions, there's doctors, lawyers, and priests. <laughs> and that was it. When you were one of those, you had made it to the pinnacle of your life. Maybe accountants were kind of second tier. But, you know, so it was like... I was the first in my family to actually ascend that mighty ladder. And, and yeah, there is this kind of social pressure. Um, but Who, who's, I, whose perception were you most worried about? Your family, your colleagues, your friends? Yeah, I think all of the above. Family, certainly. I mean, you know, my mom and dad, but, you know, they're very much, well, this is great. I mean, if this is what you're passionate about, this is what you want to do. So that really helped um, but yeah, your, your friends, they, they, they see you, this, you've, you've had this career and then all of a sudden you've made this sudden shift. Like what happened? Mm -hmm. Because you can't, I mean, unfortunately your friends know a little bit about what's going on in your private life, but yeah, you tend to keep these things to yourself. And I think that's the problem as well. We internalize men, a lot of these problems. Men do, men do. My girlfriend knew everything. Your, your girls knew everything. 
Um, so it's, yeah, it was probably quite jarring for people to say, whoa, what the hell happened there? Um, yeah. I think I think for Jim, it was definitely true. I felt that he had a hard time letting go of the general counsel yeah. title and, you know, being the first lawyer in Ryanair, pretty much being there at the beginning of Etihad Airways as well, you know, in the kind of mm-hmm. olden times. For me, I think I, I didn't have time to think about the fears because my career changed really took a long time so it was not like I was going towards something and then I decided to change I I abruptly ended one because of a life situation and then I had years of trying to figure out but I think the constant fear is that am I going to be um am I late you know am I going to be good enough to do this and do will people trust me in my new role when you say late, what do you mean? Late to the game? Well, late in the game, you know, when you change after 40, 40 something, then it's, yeah, I mean, when I when I moved to the Middle East, I was age 39 or something like this. So, you know, I, and I hope to have a job. And then, you know, you get like for years, you get this, mm, we don't really know what to do with you. Mm, you don't really fit in here, there. So you have to start having doubts and you realize that the ship has sailed. There are people who write much better press releases than you do. There are people who, you know, do government affairs much better. They might have even a legal degree you're not going to be a co-founder of an airline anymore which gives you a certain kind of status so so what's next and I think for somebody who didn't have a strong passion of oh my god you know the people who know from childhood they want to do this they want to bake bread they want to open a a restaurant or or something else I didn't have that so for me the fear was whatever I'm going to do is like am I am I am I late in the game like what am I going to be just a mother and you know I say it with all due respect to all the mothers out there who really find complete fulfillment in being mothers and I really admire that because that's hard job but I knew that for me I needed to do something else and there was a moment of panic there that what is it gonna be and when we kind of organically grew into this health journey thing it was like oh wow isn't (laughs) this amazing you know this is this is what it is and then and then it becomes almost irrelevant because I'm doing it for myself and whoever I can help, I'm happy with. So I don't think I have fears anymore as such. They've they've shrunk over time. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And Jim, for you, I think particularly for men, you know, women do feel pressure as well, obviously. But I think especially mm-hmm. for men, they often feel like they have to be the provider mm-hmm. um, financially, emotionally. It seems to be part of a man's DNA often how did you overcome that because you're stepping away from what I assume was a well-paid job into the unknown yeah for sure I mean that's that's the other aspect of it is is the fear of, of going some from something that you know that's reliable that keeps going up if if you're if you're able to survive um into wow um yeah this is there's a lot of investment uh, involved um and can we actually make this work and and be able to feed the family that's still a question though actually a question no but at least we're loving it and we're enjoying we're pretty sure that we can make it work but you know truth be told we we did manage our money really really well so we had investments and we have investments um and i think this is one of the uh, the good and the bad things but from one hand you're not under pressure you know you can do what you love and you can take your time but the bad thing is that 
uh, I think if I have one regret is that we didn't start a more structural work sooner because we're like, oh, well, you know, we're not under pressure because we have mm. the, the a certain level of revenue that is, you know, good enough for us. Um, but I think it's almost better if you are under financial pressure to actually go out and, and make it and make a dent in the universe, you know, like mm-hmm. Steve Jobs said, we didn't have that. Um, yeah, I mean, so we're, we're lucky in that, in that sense that yeah. we don't have to be under a massive amount of stress. We can enjoy yeah. what we're doing. But eventually, you know, a bit of stress is good as well. <laughs> yes. It pushes you out the door and you don't need to be perfect. Just get out there. So and that's the, the balance yeah. that we're still trying to find. Yeah. But I think for, for folks who are considering a change, it's important to recognize that, yeah, it, 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 certainly going from a corporate career to an mm. entrepreneurial journey is is challenging and you need to be aware of that the other thing i would say is that and what we're trying to do for people by trying to catch this earlier on in their career is that sometimes and certainly was my case is that you're making decisions Mm -hmm. in a panicked form you're not being rational about your decisions whereas if you are able to to be healthy within yourself Everything changes and you may find that something that was a burden getting up on Monday morning for when you change the mindset and you and you change your health, your perspective on health and well-being. Actually, this job is pretty good. There are so many positive things about this and you don't you don't have to make those drastic decisions or you may find that now now i know i need to make a change mm. but i'm doing it from a place of health yeah and i can make rational decisions about my yeah. next step instead of panicking and the next job that comes along that yeah. looks like yeah it's roughly on my career ladder go yeah. um so i think that would be uh, you know kind of a, a advice for people yeah and actually i couldn't i couldn't agree more with you that i think it's always a good idea to make decisions from a good place mm. Um, And that's always the first thing that I try to work with with my clients is, you know, what are the good bits about where you are? What are the things that are actually bringing you joy? And and sometimes people, their their sort of knee jerk reaction is none of it. It's all rubbish. I hate it all. You know, I hate my colleagues. I don't like where I work. I don't like what I'm doing. And actually, over time, that does shift. And obviously, I don't talk about the health and fitness to the level that you do at all. But we definitely talk about the mindset and um, yeah. looking for the positives in every situation. And it yeah. does that shift does occur and it does make, you know, people often go through my program yeah. and end up realizing, actually, I'm in a pretty good place. Yeah. You know, actually, I do quite like my colleagues and actually the work that I'm doing is really meaningful to me. And I do enjoy standing up in front of people and doing my presentations or, mm. whatever you know, whatever it might be that they find joy in. But they sort yeah. of just lost track of that along the way so it's really fascinating it's like a you know it's it's the psychology of it's what makes us but isn't it it, it's also the case that you know in your case i'm just listening to you thinking you probably what you're also helping them do is to deal with their stress and once the stress is lifted suddenly the horizons broaden and then they see much wider yeah that's what you know of course this is this is the mental health part and then when you start feeling the same in your physical body that you don't have the the aches and pains anymore you don't have the nagging headaches you don't feel completely exhausted physically you suddenly have more space in your body in your mind and you see things that you didn't see before i i couldn't agree more with you 
Um, and I think we, we sort of touched on it, or you guys touched on it briefly, is that I think, um, and I hate talking about men are like this, women are like that, but but there are some obvious differences in that I think men carry that burden on their own shoulders often and they don't talk about it and they put on the mask that you talked about Jim earlier that you know people didn't realize that you were struggling Mm -hmm. because you didn't let anybody know and I think generally speaking women are much better at talking to people and sharing yeah and um and even not seeking advice as as such just talking about it and coming to their own conclusions where I think men often find themselves quite lonely in this position where they feel they have the weight of the world on their shoulders they can't even talk to their partners about it and it's a lonely place to be yeah it's it's a it's a fascinating subject and we're very passionate about it. yeah well your passion's coming through very very clearly i'd like to ask you both what your definition of success is Ooh. i think success for for me is um really seeing the changes that people um, experience. I mean, for me, it's, I don't know if it's success, but it's the satisfaction of, and then I feel like, yeah, I, I, I'm doing my job on this, in this life. I'm helping people, real, real people solving real problems. I think that's success for me. And also I quite like, um, you know, to feel, authentic so when I wake up in the morning and I'm happy I'm looking forward to the day and I love when I feel that I love where I am this is success for me in life I'm 50 um, I absolutely I'm so grateful for being here with Jim and being in Harlem having the son that we have having the life that we've got this is for me all the success that that I need I think wow (laughs) okay how do, how do I, how no, do I no pressure, that? Jim. Yeah, I think, yeah, for, for me as well, it's finally starting to feel comfortable in, yeah. in myself, um, not always being under pressure to be somebody else, to for play, somebody play else. the role. Um, but also, as Natasha said, um, you know, actually just the feedback from folks so far on the book, on what we've done in, in previous programs that is is just life-changing for people Mm. and and that to me is Mm. is the pinnacle of success Mm. where you've you've made that connection with people and they and they're they're benefiting from it and hopefully they can avoid some of the mistakes that we've made if you could see that snapshot of the last minute of our interview if you could have seen that 10 years ago in a crystal ball what do you think the natasha and jim of 10 years ago would have thought well Okay, so that's a that's an interesting one. For me, I'm thinking 2013 and the place I was, I was so confused with what I'm supposed to be and who I'm supposed to be and whether I will have a child or not and whether, you know, what's, I, I, I can't find the job and it's corporate and I was trying to force myself into the same corporate roles and see, so... I don't think I would see this at all. To this day, today, I'm like, how on earth did I end up in the health? I think it'd be, and a, sh- it'd be a shock. Be, and you know, for you especially, yeah, oh my for, God. You know, to, to see that clearly would have been, oh my God, there there is actually another way of doing this. Like th- this is not the way life is supposed to be. Like I, I can be living a fuller life 
and happier life. So I, th I think it'd be a huge kind of shock to the system um, and, ho and hopefully would have changed the way I did things. Um, and, and that's kind of what we're trying to provide for people is to be that ability to travel back in time for them to see us now and say, wow, you can actually do, do it all. Things. You can balance everything and avoid, you know, having these kind of, of health problems and, and having to deal with this insufferable amount of stress. Uh, it's, it's absolutely achievable. Yeah. So I think for me, it would have been a, a wake up call back then. I probably could have saved, you know, years of, of my life yeah. by, by starting to take some of these, these actions back then. Yeah. Amazing. Isn't it amazing how life throws things at us and it, that's what makes it fun, isn't it? The unpredictability of it, where we'll end up. Um, I realized that I asked you about your book earlier and you showed it to the camera, which is great for anybody watching on YouTube. But actually, if you're listening on audio only, would you yeah. mind just giving us a little so the book, Yeah, the book title is Ready for Takeoff, um, a practical health guide for airline executives and their team to get back on top of their game. Um, so a few things there, what a lot of people don't realize, and we're kind of putting this out on social media, is the takeoff is actually the acronym for the model that we've come up with. Mm -hmm. And it's based on the four drivers of health. So it's mindset, getting your mind ready first, and then nutrition, movement, and sleep. And it's taking small, uh, consistent steps in each of those areas, because they all kind of interact with each other that really starts to an upward spiral of positive health and, and well-being. Um, and we wrote it specifically for our colleagues in the airline industry, because that's who we are. We resonate. Our stories are all about our careers in, in aviation. But obviously, these principles work for any human being. And the really cool thing is that the reaction that we're getting from outside the aviation industry is every bit as positive as as, as our colleagues in, in aviation. So it's really heartening that we're able to spread that message more broadly than just aviation. That is very cool. And the name of your company, which I will put everything in the show notes, but do you want to give your company a plug while we're here? So... <laughs> The company is called Wellness Story and the website is wellnessstory.world. It's W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-T-O-R-Y.world. And the website and yeah, and the the yeah, the book has been just published. It's available on Amazon and in some other retailers, Barnes and Nobles. Well, huge congratulations on the book. I really enjoyed. I haven't finished it, but what I've read so far genuinely I've just really really enjoyed thank you uh, I yes. hope it does really well I hope your company takes off in the way that you envisage <laughs> it well thank you and, uh, and continues to fill you with this passion and joy that is so clearly coming across I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and I really hope people have enjoyed listening to this and will feel inspired by this story thank you so so much for your time both of you I really really appreciate it if you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, do share it with them and subscribe now so you never miss an episode.